0: It's time to eat. Get in my belly!
1: Sit down and get ready
0: to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast, and if you are looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag, use promo code PODCAST1, he is Evan Silva, I am Ross Tucker, and Evan, it is playoff time, baby, and we both made it in the Fantasy Feast Redraft League with so many of you great listeners, 16-team leagues, six teams made the playoffs, Evan, neither one of us got a buy. So we gotta be ready to rock and roll this week. I hope you're ready to go. I know you always are on Twitter at Evan Silva, the Roto World superstar encyclopedic knowledge of every relevant fantasy player in the galaxy. It's insane every week, insane in the membrane for you that are old like me. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman in the playoffs. If I didn't mention that, Already five teams, seven years at Ross Tucker, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL for both. We absolutely love, by the way, when you guys retweet the show, it means a lot. Please retweet it. That way more people know about it. Rating and reviewing the show is always awesome. And by the way, I'm giving away one more Madden, one more Madden, and you can be the one that wins it. By taking a look at Lightstream. Lightstream.com slash feast. Here's the deal, right? Credit cards. Lots of us have them. Holiday season. Why don't you put a little bit more money in your pocket and stop paying those insane interest rates on your credit cards. Instead, get a consolidation loan with Lightstream, 5000 all the way up to $100,000. It's 100% online. There's no fees. Your rate is fixed. It's awesome. And look, it's 6.14% APR with AutoPay. 6.14% APR. Plus, they'll give you an additional interest rate discount if you go to lightstream.com slash feast. L I G H T dot com slash feast. More money in your pocket, and you might win the free Madden we've been talking about quite a bit over on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. That is if you take advantage of the Asp- the, the Casper deal or the Lightstream deal. Subject to credit approval, of course. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash feast for more information. Evan, let's start with the Thursday nighter like we always do. It's the Jags and that juggernaut offense led by Cody Kessler against the Titans who I, I guess found a way to get it done in the fourth quarter against the Jets. Not overly excited about this fantasy matchup other than Corey Davis who's on my team. What do you got?
1: Yeah, 37.5 point total, smallest on the entire week 14 slate. So, you know, if you have lineup decisions, I would suggest leaning away from this game. Um, There are only a couple of locked-in starters. Leonard Fournette, of course, back from his suspension. Carlos Hyde was, you know, a total bust, as we kind of predicted last week. TJ Yeldon wound up playing a much bigger role. T.J. Yeldon actually, I think, is still in play on the DFS one-game slates and deep leagues uh, with PPR specific uh, because he leads the team in targets uh, when Cody Kessler has been under center this season. I mean, last week he had, what, nine targets and seven catches. He led the team in receiving, so I think that he is still playable in deep leagues and Uh, DFS one game slates which uh, have become real popular this year Um, but you know the Jaguars receiver core want to avoid it if I had to pick one guy D.D. Westbrook he is in Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards by low model he is uh, facing off with uh, a lot of Logan Ryan in the slot Logan Ryan kind of a bigger slot corner real good player but um, I think a guy that you know D.D. Westbrook could theoretically get by a couple of times but look last week You know, 24 attempts by Cody Kessler, 150 yards, that's the way the Jaguars want to play, and that's not conducive to fantasy production in the passing game. This is going to be the Leonard Fournette show. Titans' run defense has not been as good lately, uh, by the way, Uh, so that bodes well for Fournette. On the other side, you mentioned Corey Davis. He is going to face off with Jalen Ramsey. Um... On the outside, and Jalen Ramsey had a great battle with T.Y. Hilton last week. Um, Jalen Ramsey won the battle. T.Y. Hilton wound up with decent production anyway, Uh, but it was a clear win for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, One way that T.Y. Hilton was able to get away from Ramsey at times was to play in the slot, and that's what Corey Davis can do as well over the Titans' last four games. He's played in the slot 35% of the time, and there was a game – earlier this year where he faced off with Stefan Gilmore and he led the team in slot routes in that game like the Titans were smart you know smart slash creative enough to you know proactively move him away from Stefan Gilmore Gilmore actually in that game uh, chased him into the slot a bunch of times but uh, Jalen Ramsey has played only 10 slot snaps all year so uh, I think if that is your shining light. You know, the thing that you can cling to with Corey Davis, who has played well uh, recently. He's been productive whenever Marcus Mariota has been healthy. I still think he's a fringe wide receiver three because of the matchup, but I think he's not a bad one. He's not as bad as, you know, just the blanket analysis. Oh, he's going up against Jalen Ramsey. You know, let's look a little bit deeper than that. Um, Taewon Taylor came back last week, ripped a bunch of big plays during the comeback In the fourth quarter, he's still just a DFS one-game slate guy. Same with Tajay Sharp. Uh, Anthony Ferkser has been a legitimate factor uh, over the last three weeks, 40-plus yards in all three. On the season, he's been targeted 13 times, 13 catches. So he's a guy that Marcus Mariota is starting to build trust with, another guy that we can talk about uh, on the DFS one-game slates. I don't know if he's a, as good of a play as John, John Smith at this point. I mean, it would be. Hard. I think it's a flip a coin situation at this point. Last week, Jonu Smith ran 24 routes. Uh, Ferkser ran 18, but uh, Ferkser had more targets. He's a pass catching tight end, um, so I think it's really a coin flip between those two guys at this point um, in the backfield. You know, they they there was a point around mid season where it seemed like they were really transitioning toward Dion Lewis as their feature back. That has not been the case recently. I don't know if Dion Lewis is nursing some sort of injury that hasn't appeared on the injury report, but I mean, they have not been giving him the ball as much last week. They really put it in Derek Henry's belly in the second half. And, um, you know, he wound up being the guy that uh, got more touches last week. John Lewis did play more snaps um, but, you know, I, I think that it's a situation that's kind of difficult for both guys. I think that if I was going to pick one, I'd go with Deion Lewis against the Jags. Jags, although their defense has been up and down, they've been pretty consistent in run defense. Uh, last week, I mean, the Colts just abandoned the run. Marlon Mack wound up with like nine touches uh, because they just they couldn't do it at all. Um, so that's kind of where we stand. I think that Marcus Mariota is a better play than he looks on paper. Um, you know, the Jaguars were great last week on defense, but I do not trust them to continue that this week in Tennessee. I think they really got up for that game at home against the Colts. And, you know, they really came to play. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to maintain that. I mean, their their season is over. Marcus Mariota quietly over his last uh, four games played start to finish – has been a top-10 fantasy quarterback in all of those games. And also, the Jaguars have allowed the most rushing yards in the NFL to quarterbacks. So I think that he is an underrated play. We can move on to the 1 p.m. games.
0: All right, first one is also not exactly exciting from a fantasy perspective. You've got the Jets and the Kelvin Benjamin-less Buffalo Bills.
1: Yeah, so Josh Allen, I mean, he has played himself, especially, you know, well, primarily through his running game. He has played himself very much into this, the discussion as a potential fantasy starter this week. And, you know, you, the, the matchup is good. I mean, this Jets defense is not not strong. Um, you know, they play a lot of man. They blitz a lot. That's conducive to quarterback running. Uh, Josh Allen has absolutely has the green light in terms of being a rusher, you know, his final season at Wyoming, he only ran for 204 yards the entire season. Over the last two games, he's got like 240 yards as a rusher in the NFL. So, I mean, they're they're giving him the green light, and that is awesome for fantasy. It's like, you know, this is what we like about Lamar Jackson, but, you know, I mean, Josh Allen has been like even more aggressive as a runner than – than Lamar Jackson um, and he's hit he's hit more big plays in the passing game too so I think that he's very much in play as a we talked about him last week about uh, being like a DFS play very much in play he started six games this year he's been a top five fantasy quarterback in half of them now he's been quarterback 26 or worse in the other three so he's a very boom bust fantasy dude and he's also very boom-bust in real life. And so, you know, you make your decisions based off that. You know, some people are willing to live with the risk. Others are not. But the dude is putting up some big-time running produ- rushing production, uh, which has kind of cut into LaShawn McCoy a little bit. Uh, although LaShawn McCoy has 18, 19 touches the last two games, they just really have not gotten him going. He's not hitting big runs, not scoring touchdowns. But now he's going to be a home favorite against the Jets, and I think that he is very playable as an RB2. Passing game is just totally, you know, don't want any part of it. I mean, if you really want to throw a dart, Robert Foster, the deep threat for the Bills, but Kelvin Benjamin gone, you know, Charles Clay making uh, game-ending, game-costing mistakes, you know, like just, just don't want any part of the passing game. On the Jets' side, it looks like Darnold is going to be back um, this Jets offense has been broken, and I, I don't know how they would fix it late in the season. You know, everyone's going to get fired in the Jets coaching staff. They know that. I don't think that this is going to be the bounce back spot at Buffalo in December. Bills defense strong play here. Um, yeah, just don't don't want any don't want any part of any Jets. We can move on to the next one.
0: Let's get to Carolina. Four straight losses for them, four interceptions for Cam. They're playing Cleveland. Baker Mayfield coming off a bunch of interceptions himself, but he kept slinging it in the second half, and Antonio Callaway took away what would have been an awesome touchdown. Your thoughts on this matchup?
1: Yes. Carolina. So I'm a little concerned about Cam's arm at this point, and, you know, he had shoulder surgery In March of 2017, it was considered to be a very similar shoulder surgery to Andrew Luck's, except I guess Andrew Luck had setbacks. I don't know. We never got the full story from the teams there um, or from the team there. And then toward the end of the 2017 season, Cam, as a passer, really, really fell apart. But, you know, all that was forgotten when... um, you know, they came out just guns blazing to start the season offensively. And, I mean, they're still scoring points. And, shoot, Cam Newton, even with the four picks, was like a top 10 or 12 dude uh, in fan- quarterback in fantasy last week. But, you know, they pulled him uh, to throw the game-ending uh, Hail Mary for Taylor Heineke. And um, I- I'm just – I'm a little concerned. You know, after a four-interception game and then seeing him pulled for the Hail Mary, I mean – and, and he, he, you know, the, his, uh, his average depth of target this year is, like, the lowest that it's ever been, which isn't, necess- isn't necessarily a bad thing in real life. It's been great for Christian McCaffrey and, you know, their little run-after-catch receiver dudes. But I'm just a little concerned. I mean, I, you know, I have Cam Newton in a fantasy playoff, and I'm planning on starting him. But, you know, I, I would read Dr. Chow this week. I'd be looking at his practice participation, etc., and doing a little bit more homework on Cam Newton than usual leading up until the game. Devin Funchess came back last week. The the targets were still there for DJ Moore, uh, and he ran the most routes out of all the Panthers receivers, but he was not as productive. Curtis Samuel was their leading receiver, with 6 for 88. But Funchess came back. He was actually the fourth receiver. He ran the fourth most routes, Jarius Wright, was ahead of him at third. Um, and then, you know, Torrey Smith could pop back up at any time. So this has become a very difficult uh, receiver core to kind of sort out. I mean, I think it's clear that they're, that they're not going to pull DJ Moore off the field, you know, at this point. Um, but, we, you know, we don't know if, if the targets are going to keep up. He does have eight, nine, and eight over his last three games. Um, but it's just there's – There's a lot of different dudes here uh, in the receiver core that can play, that can get targets, and that makes them uh, tougher to project. Greg Olson done for the season. Ian Thomas is going to come back, play tight end for the Panthers. He did have five targets last week, but you go back and look at what he did when Greg Olson missed time earlier in the season. Just don't really, not really into him as a streamer. Um, On the other side, I think there are a lot of exciting plays. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield, to me, top 12 fantasy quarterback play in week 14. Um, This Panthers defense is bad, and that's why you see, you know, assistant coaches getting fired and you see, uh, you know, Ron Rivera taking the play calling duties away from the defensive coordinator. Um, You know, this is a defense that we've been attacking successfully and will continue to attack successfully because they do not rush the passer well. Um, and you know that's that, that's backbreaking for any defense. So Baker Mayfield, real strong play. Uh, also looking at him in daily fantasy. The guys to pair him up with uh, in terms of matchup. Panthers have been getting crushed in the slot. Last week it was Adam Humphreys. Jarvis Landry came back, popped back up, hundred yard game last week. Like to see that. He's got another great matchup. He can stay hot against Carolina. David Njoku also has a great matchup and Joku only three catches for eight yards last week. Didn't have any drops, has not dropped a pass in over a month, but you know, they, they just, they couldn't hit him, and it, it wasn't his week and he's been up and down uh, particularly over the last month or so, but his matchup is really good. Panthers give up uh, the the most fantasy points in the league to opposing tight ends. Antonio Calloway, Um, had one of the craziest little series of plays last week. Uh, He rips a 76 yard touchdown and then it's, it's called back by Greg Robinson's holding penalty. And then he comes back 71 yard catch and he fumbles at the one yard line recovered by the Texans. Um, He also drew a long pass interference earlier in the game. So, Really, what could have been a monster game for Antonio Callaway? You know, again, game of inches not not a uh, not a cliche. That's that's real. Um, he is you know the same that he always has been, a very volatile wide receiver. For um, you know, always tempting because he's left so many yards on the field or so many fantasy points really on the field, uh, and you see that, and you're like, man, you know, if, if all this could come together. it would be great. He'll be squaring off with Dante Jackson likely uh, this week. Rashard Higgins scored a touchdown late in the game. He is the Browns' third receiver behind Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway. Um, Nick Chubb uh, saved his day with a, a short touchdown last week, only nine carries for 34 yards, but he did get three targets, and now he has three targets in five of his last six games. That was a question mark about Nick Chubb coming out of Georgia and early in his rookie season, but you know just getting a couple of targets every game makes a very big difference. Duke Johnson zero, I'm sorry, two touches last week, and he's reached the the point again of unplayable because um, you know they're they're just not designing plays for him. I mean, you know, and, and that's it. We can move on to the next one.
0: Okay, let's get to this one. I'm kind of interested in this one. Atlanta, 4-8. and eight. They were barely on the field last week offensively against the Ravens. I watched a lot of that game, and the Ravens had the ball all the time, and the Ravens' defense is balling against the Packers in the first game of the post-Mike McCarthy era.
1: So we could just start with that. Um, <clears throat> you know, how much can they really change in a week, number one? Uh, number two, my guess is that it's just going to be Aaron Rodgers running the show for the rest of the season, um, you know, because I, I just – I mean, you know, it's going to be the same playbook, but I think that it's going to be kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger, Randy Fickner situation, and, you know, it's, it's going to be like Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy running the offense, calling the plays. Um, so that would be my expectation, uh, and I think that that – you know, that – Bodes well for Devontae Adams, who is already going to be a great play. You know, last week, even, you know, we talked about how he's crushed like every bad matchup or every theoretically bad cornerback matchup that he's had, whether it be you know, Darius Slay or Xavier Rhodes, or, you know, he's had one of the toughest cornerback schedules in the NFL, and he's crushed each and every one of them. And um, they did, hey, he, they did a good job getting him away from Patrick Peterson. Last week, he only squared off uh, against Patrick Peterson on uh, four of his 13 targets, and uh, he wound up with eight for 93 and a touchdown. Awesome play against Atlanta. Another guy that might benefit would be Jimmy Graham, who we saw pop back up for a bunch of short catches, but hey, he had eight for 50, and that is a very good day for a, a, a fantasy tight end. Um, at this point, I mean, this is not a position, you know, this is a position where like Matt LaCosse was a good play last week, he didn't have a good result, but he was, was very much like a top 12 to 15 play on the board. And Jimmy Graham is definitely a top 12 play uh, at the tight end position. Um, and, you know, that was a guy that Aaron Rodgers like lobbied to sign in the offseason and also a guy that during the regular season, Aaron Rodgers has been like, you know, we need to get him the ball more. Uh, Randall Cobb came back last week. That set Equinemius St. Brown back to the bench. Uh, The three-receiver package was Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb in the slot, Devontae, and then uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was the other other receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had seven targets, but two catches for, like, nothing. And he just kind of like hit the rookie wall late in his first NFL season uh, out of UCF. Can't really play him at this point. Randall Cobb uh, did make a big play in the game. Uh, went for like like 30 yards on a little uh, little under wreath, un, underneath underneath um, like screen, but it got called back uh, when Jason Spriggs, Spriggs was flagged for holding. Aaron Rodgers dropped back to, to pass 51 times. Last week, and he had zero completions of twenty yards, you know, and he he definitely missed his his fair share of throws. But guys were not getting open, and to me, and Greg Cosell has been talking about this for years, um, how they they just don't you know they don't do anything to help their receivers, and you know that that has become very frustrating, um, and you know that I think that 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 was probably at the at the root of. Um, Mike McCarthy's firing. I think that what might have set it off, um, well, certainly just losing at home to Arizona was the, the biggest thing. You're, you're a friggin two-touchdown home favorite, and you, you you turn in a terrible game. I mean, they offensively, they didn't show up at all. But they also they went back uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in, in an even committee. I mean, it was Aaron Jones, 39 snaps, Jamal Williams, 38. And that came out of nowhere. Jamal Williams had 11 touches. In his previous two games, he had one touch apiece in his previous two games. Aaron Jones, only 15 touches. Um, You know, was never really able to get into a rhythm. My guess is that, I mean, I'm just, you know, using my common sense. My guess is that they go back to using Aaron Jones again as the feature back. But that's a guess. That's an assumption of rational coaching, and that, that kind of stuff doesn't always happen. Um, on the other side, uh, Green Bay against Atlanta. Atlanta's offense has just gone in the tank. I mean, 19 points or fewer in four straight games now during a four-game losing streak. Tevin Coleman has reached the point of unplayable. He got fewer touches than Ido Smith last week. Um, you know, and even before that, it wasn't getting a ton of touches. And then, uh, you know, the, the complimentary receivers have been just all over the place. I mean, Calvin Ridley last week got shut down by Marlon Humphrey, his old uh, college teammate at Alabama. The Ravens used ton of double teams on Julio Jones. I mean, it was Jimmy Smith with safety help on, you know, pretty much every snap that, that, uh, that Jimmy Smith was out there. Um, And then uh, Austin Hooper was the guy who uh, was able to kind of capitalize on that. We talked about him being a good play against Baltimore. Um, I think that Austin Hooper is back in a very similar situation this week. Mohamed Sanu just not getting the targets. Over the last um, uh, month, Austin Hooper has 29 targets to Mohamed Sanu's 22. Um, So... Uh, you know, I, I think that, that's how I'm kind of viewing the, the, uh, the receiver situation. I think that Julio Jones bounces back. I mean, the dude went into the game with, you know, over 100 receiving yards and six straight. He still drew eight targets. They just had a great day in coverage, and as you mentioned at the top, this is, was a huge thing uh, against their offense, and it actually has been a recurring theme during their, um, during their losing streak. They ran 45 plays on offense. Teams that face the Packers average 65 plays. So we should get about 20 more plays from the Falcons offense. That's going to help everyone. You know, you want to pay attention to the weather. Um, You know, it's it's up at Lambeau. We're in December now. Um, I think that Matt Ryan is likelier to bounce back than not. Um, So we can move on to the next one.
0: Okay, let's get to it. Indy, shut out. Evan, they're in Houston to take on Deshaun Watson and the Texans.
1: Yeah, and I think that the Colts' offense is going to bounce back. It's not a gimme matchup, though, by any means. Um, you know, but I was looking at uh, the Texans. You know, they're just not – they have not been giving up points. It's like over their last eight, there was like 15 points a game allowed. And then, But then you look at the individual teams that they faced. I mean, the best offense that they faced during that stretch – was the Browns last week. I mean, they have faced just, you know, you pick the worst offenses in the NFL, that's who the Texans have been playing during their, um, what, eight or nine game uh, winning streak. So, uh, and, you know, and I mean, the, hey, you, you can only play what's in front of you, but now they're going to face an offense that, yeah, coming off their, you know, their worst performance of the season but also very likely to bounce back. And if you look at the specific pass catcher matchups for the Colts facing off with the Texans, like the Texans are the worst team in the NFL at covering tight ends and all, uh, so that bodes well for Eric Ebron, who got 16 targets last week. T Y Hilton also has a great matchup against Jonathan Joseph and uh Sharice uh, Wright on the outside. Jonathan Joseph, 34 years old, couldn't even finish last week's game due to a stinger. Um, and then Cherise Wright, always a guy that we like to attack, has played for like every team in the league, 31 years old. <laughs> uh, like, like, to, uh, like to attack those guys. Kareem Jackson has been in the slot, and he's been great for the Texans. I mean, he's having his best season. I still think T.Y. Hilton can beat him. Um, so all that adds up to confidence in Andrew Luck. Uh, despite it being, you know, uh, not definitely not an ideal matchup, but we are the, the game should be played indoors, uh, and because uh, Reliant Stadium has the retractable roof, uh, the total is pretty good. I think it's the fifth highest total on the slate this week. Uh, last week, so the, and I mentioned uh, when we were talking about the Thursday night game, the Colts abandoned the run. They abandoned Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack only played like thirty percent of the snaps nine touches and they went with Naheem Hines uh, they were getting nothing going on the ground they weren't even losing by a lot they were losing by three and then later by six um, but I mean it was you know the game was never even close to out of hand so that makes you wonder are they going to do the same thing this week because the Texans have the best run defense in the AFC so that you know, that puts Marlon Mack to me in like a low end RB two, um, kind of risky flex play. And then Naheem Hines, not very far off that uh, as a PPR specific guy. Um, it's kind of nice now that the, the target, like the, the passing game distribution has narrowed down to Eric Ebron and T Y Hilton. The next guy is probably like Naheem Hines, you know, in the, in the target pecking order, and then you're down to like Dontrell Inman. We don't need to talk about all those ancillary guys on the other side. Deshaun Watson didn't have a big fantasy game last week, but he did drop back to pass 35 times in the game. That was his most since like week four. So um, like to see that maybe they're they're going to get a little bit more aggressive. They did run the ball a ton. Still, they just ran a lot of plays. Period. Um, but you know that gives us some, some optimism. Again, the game has some shootout potential. Texans allowed the highest uh, completion rate in the AFC. Their pass rush has not been good since early in the season. They had 17 sacks in their first four games. They have 13 in their eight games since. Uh, so Deshaun Watson, this should be a cleaner pocket than usual for him, and he's very, very dangerous You know all the time. But uh, certainly want him to play protected, and I think he will, against the Colts in the running game, Lamar Miller keeps getting a ton of work. Alfred blue keeps getting a ton of work. Alfred blue 13 plus touches in four of the last five games for the Texans. I don't think that you can use them, um, you know, in fantasy, but uh, just, just notable, they have been running the ball a lot, you know, and that's how they're going to play. Their defense has been kicking butt, you know, they want to keep their quarterback healthy and, uh, they're going to keep running it. Lamar Miller has stayed hot, 112 total yard average over his last six. Um, solid play against the Colts. Colts have been really good in run defense over the last month, but um, you know, not 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 entirely sure that we could trust that. Also, Lamar Miller here is like almost a touchdown home favorite against the Colts. DeAndre Hopkins, the only receiver, only pass catcher really we can use in fantasy. Uh, at this point, uh, because, um, Kiki QT has just been, just can't kick this hamstring injury. He was out last week and Demarius Thomas just not getting targets. I mean, he's got what, three, um, one, three one, four, and five targets since, uh, in four games since the, uh, Texans acquired him from Denver uh, has not gone, has not reached sixty yards in any of the games. Um, you know, can't use can't use guys like that in fantasy. Unfortunately, he was a better real life than fantasy acquisition for the Texans. Jordan Thomas scored a touchdown last week, but I mean, he's running fewer routes than Ryan Griffin. You know, he's a part time player. He's he's a load. I mean, he's a real big dude, and he's a, a legit red zone weapon. But he's averaging 2.2 targets over his last five games, in which he scored four touchdowns. Um, But averaging 2.2 targets per game, I mean, we're going to have to look elsewhere. We can move on to the next one.
0: Okay, let's do it. And the next one is Baltimore. We were talking about them a little bit. Lamar Jackson in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Obviously, uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about it last week because it happened on Friday night. Your thoughts on the post-Kareem Hunt Chief backfield landscape, Evan?
1: Yeah, I watched the Raiders-Chiefs game. I have not broken the full everything down for this one so far, so we'll be kind of quick. It was mostly Spencer Ware, but there was a lot of Damian Williams, especially in the passing game. Um, uh, I got to go back and see exactly how many touches Daryl Williams had. I don't, even, I can't even really remember seeing him very much. Um, the Chiefs left so many yards and really touchdowns on the field. Uh, Mahomes kind of, I don't know, you could, you could call it a drop, you could call it a miss by Mahomes. Um, had Tyreek kill wide open for a touchdown bomb and just a backbreaker. We had him in our, in our um our high-stakes league, and he was a total bust. Of course, had him everywhere in DFS, total bust, in the best possible matchup, and you know that was very disappointing. I think he bounces back against Baltimore. I understand that the Ravens have a good defense. The Chiefs are a juggernaut, especially at home, though. Uh, their defense performs better. Their offense performs better. I don't, I don't think that anyone on the Ravens can cover Tyreek Hill. We don't know about Sammy Watkins yet. You know, Chris Conley didn't do anything last week. Uh, Mahomes missed him uh, for a would-be touchdown. Um, Kelsey scored everything, uh, and you have been able to attack the Ravens all season uh, in the middle of the field. C.J. Mosley not having his best season in coverage. Tony Jefferson likely out again with a high ankle sprain. Um. Spencer Ware, is, it's a really bad matchup for him, but the Chiefs are going to be home favorites. He's going to get the ball, you know, 12 to 16 times per game. Look out for any additions. Uh, they were rumored to be uh, in the Mick market for C.J. Anderson. He wound up signing with the Raiders. What, what a weird signing, by the way. Um, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's been in the 17 to 22 fantasy points per game. Uh, Range in all three of his starts, I think this is actually going to be the most difficult. You know, Kansas City does play actually good defense at home. Um, You know, he really struggled in the second quarter, specifically last week. He got, you know, got it together a little bit. But, um, you know, we know about his his limitations as a passer, uh, and he needs to improve as a passer. You know, and and he's got a ways to go, no question. So you're still counting on those legs. And, um, you know, I I think that he's going to probably finish in that 17 to 22 fantasy point per game or fantasy points range, Uh, you know, but also want to keep an eye on Joe Flacco. Is he going to be active this week? If Lamar struggles, could they pull him and put Flacco in? You know, all that kind of stuff is starting to come into play. Can't use anyone in the receiver in the receiving game. I mean, Mark Andrews might be the the best fantasy option in their pass catcher core at this point. Uh, He caught a 74-yard pass off play action in week 12, and then last week he led them in receiving with, I think, like three for 47. Um, But, I mean, you don't even really want to use him. Um, Running game. Yeah, Kenneth Dixon was active last week, and he played a good amount. Uh, They can also use Ty Montgomery. Gus Edwards, I I don't think he's a good play this week. He did have uh, over 80 yards rushing last week, but zero targets still. He has one target all season. And if he doesn't score a touchdown or, like, run for 150 yards, which is much less likely now that, you know, Ty Montgomery is involved and that Kenneth Dixon came back and he was involved last week, Um, Gus Edwards – very low floor flex play, and we can move on to the next one.
0: The next one is the New England Patriots at the Miami Dolphins, where somehow the Patriots always struggle, and I don't know why.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So I don't know if that can be applied predictively to this game, but that's absolutely a trend. Um, the, The Dolphins, this year's Dolphins, have zero pass rush. I mean, they are bottom three in sacks and quarterback hits. Um, so at least from that standpoint, and what has really keyed those struggles is that the Dolphins have been able to get after Tom Brady. Um, I don't know if they've got that in their, in their toolbox this year uh, based on their 2 date lack of pass rush productivity. So um, I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Tom Brady is like a fringe quarterback one. That's That's how he's played all season. It's been a a disappoint, a disappointing season for their offense. You know, no question, Gronk is not even close to 100. Um, percent He does have uh, 19 targets over his last three, a little bit over six per game, and the Dolphins are really bad at covering tight ends, um, or at least they they give up a lot of production to the position. They play a lot of zone, and so I think you're sticking with him as a season long play, but. Uh, definitely, you know, continued concerns about his health. He missed a chunk of last week's game, too. So I'm sure he'll be on the injury report and listed as questionable uh, and limited all week. Uh, Josh Gordon, you know, it was interesting that the the, the uh, Patriots used a ton of two running back looks last week. And um, so that's why you see if like if you see like snap distributions for the Patriots running backs, it's like, it adds up to way more than 100% because they used all these two running back looks against the Vikings. And, um, you know, there's a lot of James White. Rex Burkhead played 17 snaps. And, uh, uh, you know, Sony Michelle obviously was very involved. So early in the game when they were doing that a lot, when they were playing Burkhead a lot, uh, Josh Gordon was not on the field in passing situations. And then they started playing him in passing situations a little bit more in the second half. He only had three targets, but he finished with 58 yards and a touchdown. And over his last eight games, now he's caught all eight of the targets that he's gotten. He's, he's up to 70-plus yards and or a touchdown in five of his last six games. So, you know, it's not the easiest matchup. The Dolphins' outside corners now, because they moved Bobby Mc- McCain back into the slot, the Dolphins' outside corners are big dudes, Micah Fitzpatrick and Xavier Howard. Um so it's definitely not a gimme for, for uh, Josh Gordon, but I think he's going to continue to get you know, pretty good opportunities, especially in terms of air yards. He's got playmaking ability. He does not have the speed that he once did, I don't think. Uh, but I still think he's a wide receiver three at worst, probably more along the lines of a wide receiver two. Uh, we don't even need to talk about Chris Hogan anymore. Uh, two targets last week. In the slot, Julian Edelman. I don't think that Bobby McCain can cover Julian Edelman, uh, so I think that that's a really good matchup for him. Uh, Julian Edelman has 60 plus total yards uh, and or a touchdown in every game that he has played since he came back off suspension, except for the first one where he had seven catches for 57 yards. Um, really good matchup for Sony Michelle. Uh, you know, Burkhead is going to take away from him a little bit and from James White, but. Last week, I mean, they they got their touches. You know, it was it was James White getting um, sixteen, uh, led the team in receiving. I'm sorry, he had thirteen, and he led the team in receiving. And uh, Sony Michelle had eighteen. We're not going to get catches from Sony Michelle. So if the Patriots do have one of these games where they, you know, kind of fall flat in Miami, um, then, uh, and they they play from behind or something, that would be the risk for Sony Michelle. But I, I think that they they probably end up playing pretty well because uh, they're just a, a better team than Miami. And I think that Sony Michelle winds up being a very good play when they played earlier this season. Sony Michelle had 25 for 112 and a touchdown against the dolphins. They played them in week four. I believe it was uh, Rex Burkhead is not a fantasy option. Still a good guy to roster down the stretch. You know, things can happen quickly. And this, this team, the backfield has been very, very productive at least, uh, the running back position. Uh, James White, keep playing him. Uh, On the other side, Ryan Tannehill has not thrown for 300 yards in a game since September 25th of 2016, not trying to play any of the pass catchers for the Dolphins. Uh, Devontae Parker did score a touchdown last week, um, but I think he's going to be squaring off a lot with Stephon Gilmore. Uh, their three-receiver set was Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Bryce Butler uh, last week. Dan- Danny Amendola was out, and even if he comes back, I mean, the beat writers were saying he did not look good in the locker room all last week. I don't think you can play him even in even with the, the revenge game thing. Um, just don't want to play any of the, the Dolphins' pass catchers. It, it's a very, very uh, low-volume passing team, uh, and so... You know, that, that hurts the, the predictability and the, and the upside of the dudes that are involved in the passing game itself. Um, running back situation, Kenyon Drake caught a touchdown last week. Actually leads the team in targets with Ryan Tannehill under center this season. However, he's still sharing with Frank Gore. So, and it, it was even. I think they got both got, what, nine touches last week or something like that. So... Not, ex- not excited to play the, the Dolphins running backs, really anybody in the offense. We can move on to the next one.
0: Okay, how about the Saints coming off a sluggish performance against the Cowboys, against a Bucks team that's won a couple in a row. Jameis probably being a little bit more conservative so he doesn't turn it over, but still putting up decent numbers. Could be a good yep. fantasy day here.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I think the total is 57. It's the highest of the week. It's just a fire the cannons game. You know, it's uh, doesn't look like D is going to play. Chris Godwin, go. You know, Mike Evans, go. Um, Jameis Winston, go. You know, Cameron Brait kind of on the fringe. Saints are awesome against tight ends. I mean, and I think it's legit. You know, when you shut down Zach Ertz, when you have really good safety play, when you're very athletic at tight end. I mean I mean at linebacker, you're equipped to to um, you know take tight ends away and they have done that. Um, so Cameron Bray would be a fringier guy, just a just a touchdown or bust dude, and that's what he is really anyways. Um, you know, not having big catch and yardage games. But he's there in the in the red zone, and hey, the total, you know, points to a lot of touchdowns being thrown, being scored. Um, Peyton Barber would be on the fringe as well. Really the likelihood of the Um, The Buccaneers having to air it out more than usual in this game is, you know, it's raised, it's enhanced by the fact that the Saints are so good in run defense. Um, Saints have the best run defense in the NFC. And, you know, even last week, like Zeke did not have one of his better rushing days. You know, so um, I, I would be trying to avoid Peyton Barber. Uh, Ronald Jones also came back and had a few touches last week. Uh, but that, that helps the guys in the passing game. Adam Humphreys, too. I mean, he's, he's to the point where he's like an every-week wide receiver three, especially with Jameis under center. You can read my column on Thursday. I have it. You can look at like uh, his statistics when uh, Jameis is in there as opposed to when Ryan Fitzpatrick is in there. And he's been more productive with Jameis in there. Jameis has the, the chemistry with him. Um, on the other side, you know, I think this is a classic bounce-back spot for Michael Thomas. You know, I, I he has been kind of frustrating, actually, recently. You know, Breeze has not been putting up big yardage numbers, and the touchdowns have been going to other dudes. When these teams played in Week 1, Michael Thomas had 16 for 180 in a touchdown. I don't think we can expect that, but I do think we can expect a big game. I think that he is going to bounce back against... Tampa Bay. Traquan Smith was back last week. No catches. Um, you know, you can't play him on the road. I know how how weird the home road split stuff is, um, but, you know, until it stops working, like, we may as well ride it. You know, I mean, he, he just has not been targeted in the, in on the road and, you know, for whatever reason. But that was also the case with Ted Ginn, the guy that he has been replacing. I mean, in a game like this with the 57 point total, I I definitely would give more thought to it, but um, you know, not a reliable dude like whatsoever. Uh, When they do get back to the Superdome, I think that we will be, we'll be trying to play him really. You know, if we're going to be selfish in in daily fantasy, we hope that he stinks this week and we can play him next week. When they go back to, to the Superdome, Alvin Kamara should crush, you know, Mark Ingram has done nothing except for in the games where the Saints have blown out their opponent. They could blow out the Bucks. I mean, that's definitely, you know, not unreasonable to suggest. I think that ultimately he is a low-end RB2, high-end flex play. Um, you know, tight ends just, they, they just rotate their guys. Arnold has popped up, you know, a couple times, certainly on Thanksgiving, but last week he was back down. Um, You know, he shares time with Josh Hill and with Ben Watson. Um, I I think that that pretty much takes care of it. Yeah, I think that takes care of both offenses. We can move on to the next one.
0: Last one here, Evan, for part one. It's the G-Men in Washington to take on Mark Sanchez and the bruised and battered Redskins.
1: Jeez, I'm sorry. Who is playing the
0: Redskins? The Giants are.
1: Yeah, I haven't looked at this game at all yet because uh, you know the Monday night and just trying to just trying to gather thoughts for the um, for the Redskins. Like, what a disaster! You know, we don't even know who's going to play. You know, are they going to sign Josh Johnson? I guess they're going to play Mark Sanchez. I mean, yeah, I. I mean, I, I think you know Odell Beckham is always a great play. Saquon Barkley is like, you know, he's going to be the number one pick in fantasy maybe next year. Um, I don't know. Probably Gurley goes number one, but I think Saquon Barkley can easily go number two and maybe even number one in some drafts. Um, Evan Ingram, we got to see about his hamstring. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I don't, I don't know if he's going to play. You know, I just, I I don't have anything to say here. I'm sorry, Ross. I I got nothing.
0: Evan, you are the man. I love it. Terrific job with part one. Already fired up to record part two with you momentarily that we will, as always, drop in people's podcast apps, inboxes, whatever you call it, right after midnight. By the way, I should mention during the holiday season, those of you that listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast, which, by the way, should be all of you. Pretty awesome podcast. You get my perspective on all the news and notes around the NFL, predictions, all kinds of things. But I've told you about a couple things, right? So number one, if you have a son or daughter, but especially a son, between I'd say the ages of 5 and 15, and you haven't at least checked out ballcannon.com, you're doing it wrong. If you want awesome gear for the holidays, rostucker.com. We've got all kinds of awesome t-shirts. i got a laptop skin. we got stuff for your cell phone. Really cool. The shop tab over at RossTucker.com. And in all sincerity, whether it's your mom or your dad or your grandpa or grandma or your spouse, if you want to blow them away with a gift that will make them cry, I'm not kidding. I, get, I can almost guarantee it will make them cry Get them a story at myfrontpagestory.com. There's three prices. It's fifty bucks, hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks, and it will blow them away. I've given at what I think three of these now. Every time it has been very emotional. They've loved them. Truly unique, coolest gift I've seen in years. My front page story Dot com evan terrific work let's get it going to show that's so nice we do it twice that'll do it here for part one of the fantasy feast i'm stuffed
1: thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast make sure to also subscribe to the ross tucker football podcast even money and the college draft podcast all available on itunes at Rostucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found